0: Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. As the days stretch out and temperatures rise, we naturally turn our thoughts to spring cleaning. It's a season of renewal, and so it's appropriate that we want to freshen up our spaces and brighten things up a bit. But what about where these changes matter the most? Inside of us. Thankfully, this week we are discussing ways to clear away the cobwebs inside our minds, help our teens do the same, And help Mother Nature along the way. We start with Jennifer John from the Sacred Space who joins me with the fourth in our year-long series aimed at getting us out of the ruts we may find ourselves in. This week it's all about the clutter in our brains and how to do a little spring cleaning in the far reaches that are holding us back. You don't want to miss Jennifer's tips. Anne Brody is here for a twofer again this week. First, she joins me to share the latest in entertainment, which includes the always debonair Colin Firth, who plays opposite the phenomenal Olivia Colman in Mothering Sunday. Plus, Anne shares her thoughts on Sundown with Tim Roth and Charlotte Gainsbourg. And declares we do not want to miss Why Didn't They Ask Evans. Later on in the show, Anne returns with an interview with the director of All My Puny Sorrows, Michael McGowan, and two of its stars, Sarah Gaddon and Alison Pill, who play sister Yoli and Elf. There's a game changer when it comes to composting, and it's called Tarot, a small appliance that transforms food waste into a ready-to-use fertilizer in just a few hours. It's also odorless and noise-free. The tarot is the brainchild of Elizabeth Elizabeth Colomb and Valerie Lalibert. This little machine is poised to do big things for the earth, all while looking stylish in your kitchen. Elizabeth joins me to share more about this incredible innovation. My friend Erica M. is back with an update on her latest venture, the Inside Out Initiative. This life-changing program is helping today's youth find their spark again so they can chase the things that light them up. Always a joy to have on the show, Erica shares how she used her daughter, Jessie, as a bit of an experiment to put into action what the Inside Out program teaches and how you too can get involved with your kids. Finally, Jamie Chai-Yun Liu joins me to share what inspired her to write her first book called Dandelion. You're going to love the meaning behind the title. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. I love
1: me, I'll take it nice and slow, feeling good on my own, without you.
0: We are jumping into the fourth in a year-long series with the Sacred Space Coaching today. Jennifer John is here to help us unpack why our minds are so cluttered and how to recognize it. And this is such a big topic. I'm not going to waste any time in the preamble today. Welcome back to the show,
2: Jennifer. Let's start unpacking this. Why are our minds so cluttered? <laughs> Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for having me. You know, uh, there's so many reasons, so many causes of why our minds get cluttered. And with the added stresses of even the pandemic, you know, things that are affecting our personal lives, it can cause these stressors to trigger these stressors in our lives and cause our minds to be, you know, racing through thoughts constantly and not taking time to actually calm down a little bit and assess where are we at with our thinking.
0: And that's paralyzing, really, when you think about especially because there is so much going on just outside of our control, we're constantly inundated with, you know, the war in Ukraine and climate change and the pandemic. And, and then you add in all those personal stressors. It can be a lot to process. So you talk about something called mind management.
2: How do we do that? How do, you know, mind management is the, how we process our thoughts and using that process to, to our benefit to help to influence and actually have experience of things that we want to experience. The happiness, the change. Um, You know, we we can sometimes get in our own way with our own thinking and sabotage the very things that we want to accomplish. So mind management is that ability that we have. We all have it. We can manage our thought process. It sounds very simple, yes, on the surface, but with consistent effort, we can actually manage our thoughts in a way that influences the outcome that we actually want to have and experience in our lives.
0: So one of the things you say is that, you know, what you think directly influences how you feel. Now, the problem with that, as I see it, uh, is that what we think is kind of baked into who we are, really. So we're looking at some pretty big changes. Is there a way to sort of start addressing that? Is it just being aware of what you're
2: thinking? You know. Awareness creates an opportunity for us to actually experience the change that we want to experience. Because with that awareness, it gives us the ability to say, okay, now I'm aware of this situation. I'm aware that I have a certain thinking pattern. I'm aware that certain events trigger off, you know, these thought process that I have thoughts of feeling unworthy because I see something on, say, on social media or some, a word is being said to me and it triggers off that sort of reaction in me and I start to think I'm not worthy enough. That thought of not feeling worthy enough starts to filtrate into how we feel, into how we behave, and then how we experience something, our perception. Right. And that perception becomes our reality. It becomes our reality. And so the more and more that we start to view a certain event or situation a certain way because of the triggers that we have is the more and more it shapes our perception of it. And that experience and excuse how we see things that are happening to us or things that we are working through or moving through. And so mind management is that ability that enables us to use it to our advantage. Look at the things that are serving us well, the thoughts that are serving us well, are they positive? Are they empowering? Are they uplifting? And sort of, you know, looking at the ones that are negative and how those negative thoughts are actually keeping us trapped, keeping us in a loop. So now,
0: I mean, most people are thinking about spring cleaning. So now would be a good time to think about spring
2: cleaning in our heads, right? Let's clean up that mental space. So where do we begin? Take time to reflect. I'm a I'm a big advocate on self-reflection. I think from the beginning of this year, when we started this journey with self-sabotaging, we talked about self-reflection. Take time to self-reflect. Um, take time to quiet your thoughts, calm your mind, because we're forced. We're in a we're in a space now where we're constantly thinking, and we have to do things, you know, at a fast pace. And doing it at a fast pace is not allowing us to calm our minds, calm those thoughts that are racing through us, and so that we can actually make the decisions and choices that we need to make. And so we can find it easier to do these things if we sort of take some time, create that space to calm our thoughts.
0: And you talk about observing your thoughts. And this is something we've talked about in previous episodes, but I think it's really worth hammering this point home.
2: Uh, What does it look like when you're an observer of your thoughts? Take time, as I said, create that space, create that time, step back and sort of examine, analyze the sort of thoughts that are reoccurring in your mind, the thoughts that you're constantly thinking over and over and over. Write it down. Where are these thoughts coming from? What's triggering them? And then when you take a step back and sort of reflect on that, it helps you to see, okay, so when I'm thinking these thoughts, how is that making me feel? Work through those feelings, jot them down. From how is that making me feel to now, how do I react? Or how do I respond? When I'm triggered with these thoughts and I start to feel this way, And so now it's causing me to react or to respond in a certain manner. And that now shows me what my experience will be. So being, becoming an observer of your own thoughts gives you that opportunity to self-reflect, take a step back and actually look at your thoughts and where is it really coming from? What's triggering them?
0: You also talk though about reframing thoughts. And I think this is, this is a, a crucial point because oftentimes I think we get caught up in like, well, nobody likes toxic positivity. But the reality is you could be in a negative situ- situation and still find a way to reframe it in your mind. So is that, is that, you know, again, it's not saying, oh, this is so awesome. But what does it look like when you, when you try
2: to flip the script a bit? When you try to flip the script, it looks like if there's something positive you can walk away with, is there something that you've learned? It's caused you to grow in some way, shape or form. Is it something that has altered your way of thinking concerning this experience or this situation? And is it in a positive way? Because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the positive. We're looking for that diamond in the rough. We're looking for that, you know, that we can take, walk away with. And, And yes, the experience may not have been as pleasant as we wanted to. It could have even me to the point where it was traumatic. But is there something that you can actually walk away and say, "This has shaped me in a new way. It has shaped my thought, my perception. Um, I've learned or I've gained something from it, even if it's one thing. That one thing can help you reframe, reframe that situation, and reassess it in a in a light that is more empowering for you."
0: We we're not going to have enough time to get into all of these today. So I, I want to skip ahead a little bit because, um, and I want people to know uh, that they can actually keep up with you guys over on talk.com. You guys have a blog that complements all these interviews. So we're going to skip ahead just a little bit though, um, because I want to talk about um, writing it down. How important is that in the process of moving forward with your life and, and sort of moving past
2: self-sabotage? You know, when you think about the amount of thoughts that we entertain in, in our heads, at, you know, a day it, it it's mind, it's mind blowing the amount of thoughts that we process, and so that's a lot of activity in our brain, and so if you think about it as in downloading those thoughts to paper, sometimes when you do that. It takes, it stops some of that activity in your mind, that loop, that cycle that is happening in your mind and sort of causes you to see it in a more objective manner. And so putting it to paper, downloading from your mind to paper actually can help you sometimes even solve the situation or certain that you have in your mind, the decision that you wanted to make, the choice that you've been struggling with. Um, Once you see it on paper, sometimes it becomes so much clearer for you. And so I'm a big advocate of writing it down. Taking time to do that, that's part of a self-reflection, you know, space and time that we're talking about creating for yourself, where you sort of calm your thoughts and where you can see objectively and write it down. And in doing so, sometimes it is even healing for you to journal, to take things that, that you have experienced and just put voice to it on paper.
0: I really, really love this analogy because, you know, you think we upload information all day long. All day long. We're uploading. All long so to be able to download the mm-hmm. important things in a day that have, you know, crossed your brain is so crucial. I love that, you you know, you're really sort of
2: crystallizing what's important in your head, right? Right. And even the things that trouble you, you know, they're, they're important. There's the highlights of your day. Then there's the things that cause you to pause, things that sort of like you didn't have that moment, that time to process it because, you know, you're going through your day. There's other demands. There's other stressors that are coming on you. Take time to, to actually write it out and see, OK, did I respond? It could be a situation that has happened. Did I respond in the right way or did I react? You know, um, things happen so quickly and sometimes we get caught up in the moment and we don't realize um, that we're actually reacting to someone else's. Issues or to someone else's, um, you know, hangups, and so how do we respond? And taking time to write that, write that out, helps us to see that. Okay. I love it. So you have
0: a a blog post that's going to be up on the website. It's about understanding the power of our thoughts and building that mental resilience. Uh, So that's going to be up and available for listeners uh, after the show uh, this week. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. As always, your breath of fresh air. And uh, we have so much to unpack over the next few months. Uh, This is an exciting journey we're on with you. So thank you for joining me.
2: Thank you so much, Candice, for having me.
0: Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody. And Anne, uh, the first movie we're going to talk about has Colin Firth in it. And I just want to, like, give a little scream.
5: He's so sexy. What is it with Colin Firth? I mean, this guy's gorgeous. Love you know, him. Matt, he's elegant and he's sexy. That's a nice mix. And you're going to have to explain this to your movie boyfriend, Harrison Ford, and then to your real <laughs> boyfriend, Phil so you know (laughs) let's just get going with
0: this i know Uh, well i don't think harrison ford will be hurt knowing that i also hold a like a little bit of a candle for uh colin firth but yeah maybe i'll keep it from my boyfriend so tell me about mothering sunday looks like a great movie
5: colin firth and olivia coleman are a married couple very wealthy english back in the 20s um and uh their maid played by odessa young is uh very beautiful and sexualized. And she flirts with, the, with Colin. He flirts back. Um, now, her lover who lives across the way in another mansion is about to be married, but he comes over to see her during the a, a, a celebration and they have sex. And so he goes back to the, his wedding party. She wanders around his mansion, stark naked, and the thing is, it's all about class jumping, the idea of class jumping, the um, expectations of people in certain classes and, uh, you know, giving into your destructive whims. It's just an amazing film, uh, you know, for sort of leading up to Mother's Day and about the complexity of women. It's uh, wonderful. Olivia Coleman doesn't say much, but boy, does she get a lot across with her facial expressions. Constantly angry.
0: I was just going to say, you know, as much as I, I fawned over Colin Firth at the beginning of this, Olivia Coleman really is an incredible actress. She is. I don't amazing. think there's
5: anyone like her right now. Yeah, she's in a class of her own.
0: So where can we catch Mothering Sunday?
5: Uh, that's in theaters. So, and okay. I'm sure wow, going, how
0: how unique! <laughs> I know,
5: weird, eh?
0: <laughs> All right, tell me about Sundown,
5: yeah, which is going to be at Tiff Bell Lightbox and Vif Center in Vancouver on on uh, today and then on TVOD on April 29th. So, this is Tim Roth, Charlotte Gainsborough. They're married, they have two kids, they're on vacation. I think it's Mexico. There was no real signage. But um, she's a, a billionaire. She's an heiress to a huge multinational corporation. They're having a nice time. They're just relaxing, having fun. And then she gets a phone call to say that her mother's dying. So the family packs up, runs off to the airport to get on the plane. He's forgotten his passport. So he leaves. He goes back to get it and he'll take the next flight or so we think. Not only does he not go back to the hotel, he goes to a dive and checks in in the center of town, picks up a young girl, I would say just barely out of her teens, and they begin an affair. He phones his wife to say that they're still looking for his passport, and you are wondering what on earth is going on, because we're not given any kind of background that would lead us to think this. So they carry on their affair. He stops answering his wife's frantic calls. And he's right out there with this girl. Um, anyway, his wife and his kids come back and he just announces that he wants a divorce. It's so somber and mysterious. And you just you say, what is going on here? Uh, and then there's even a, a greater twist at the end. So it is worth it. It's like a chiller. It's like a, an emotional thriller. So I'd say catch it if you like that sort of thing. Sundown.
0: All right. As They Made Us. That's another one coming up. What's that all oh, about? Oh,
5: boy, oh, boy. Yeah, it's about another marriage in trouble. <laughs> Candace Bergen and Dustin Hoffman play an elderly couple together. Um, and this is made by, written and directed by Man Bell. Like, do you remember her? She's She hosts Jeopardy now. Uh, she's quite the egghead, a neuroscientist, as a matter of fact. But, um, yes, yeah, so she... Diana Agron plays Abigail, Abigail, their daughter. She comes home to look after her parents when it comes clear that they're incapable of looking after themselves. They're both dealing with really intense, her parents are both dealing with really intense anger and shock at the situation that, that they've they found themselves in. Dustin Hoffman is um, diminishing every day. He's going so downhill, downhill, and he's brilliant at it. Candace Bergen is just an incredible shrew. So the daughter has to somehow work situations out all by herself. Her brother hasn't spoken to them in 20 years. Uh, It's a really fraught situation, but my God, is it good? It is really good. And to see Candace Bergen in a role like this is so shocking. She has such an amiable um, persona, so, you know, I think it's really worthwhile. And it's on TVOD, so you can catch it at home.
0: Okay, we have one, time for one more quick one. Uh, All the Old Knives or Why Didn't They Ask Evans? Which one do you want to talk about?
5: Why Didn't They Ask Evans? Loved it. It's it's a, a, an adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel, again. But this one's really cool. It stars um, uh, Lucy Boynton and Will Poulter. I'm sure you both know them. And it's about a man who is found face down in the rocks, off a cliff, while Will Poulton's character is caddying up at at the top of the cliff. He runs down, the man whispers one thing, why didn't they ask Evans, and dies. So his job, along with Penelope, who is another wealthy heiress... (laughs) And he's just a poor kid. They join forces to solve the mystery. And it takes them all over the place and into some very dangerous territory. It's really, it's, despite that, it's lighthearted and fun. It's got a great tone and it's very sunny and you love the period costumes. And this Lucy, um, Lucy Boynton is amazing. So there's a good, that's on BritBox. Don't miss it.
0: All right. So you've got uh, all of these, obviously, and a lot more that we couldn't get to. You always do over on com, And we'll see you next week. And thanks so much.
2: See you next
5: week.
0: What started as an idea to find food waste solutions for their little apartment, my next guest and her business partner quickly turned their inspiration into something big. Tero is a small appliance that transforms food waste into ready-to-use fertilizer in just a few hours, odorless and noise-free. The brainchild of Elizabeth Colombe and Valerie Lalibert. Tarot is set to launch in the US, followed by Europe later this year, and was recognized at the Grand Prix du de Design Awards in 2021, winning three categories, including consumer, kitchen, and tech product. Elizabeth is joining me now to discuss. Welcome to What She Said, Elizabeth. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is I rarely get excited about products, but I have to tell you, this one is brilliant uh, in so many ways, but mostly that it's going to, it, it really does work to save the earth. So first, let uh, let's. what was sort of the initial moment where you said there's got to be something better?
1: Yes, uh, we were, Valérie and I, my co-founder, were uh, both at the University Laval in product mm-hmm. design. Uh, We met during our study there and uh, for our final project, we decided to team up to uh, design a product uh, to solve an environmental problem uh, and to encourage people to do their part for the environment. In uh, Quebec City, where we are from, there is no municipal collection, so there is no uh, way to compose our food waste at home. Uh, so we decided to work on this, uh, this problem and to, uh, uh, to find a solution. Uh, we were both living in an apartment with no solution to compose uh, our food waste, um, and we didn't have any other space to compose. So we uh, decided to create a new technology that will revolutionize home food waste recycling, so the Teru Food Recycler. Uh, Our challenge was to design an attractive household appliance that could recycle our food waste at home quickly, and most importantly, without orders. (laughs) Right. And you know, you said you you didn't have
0: municipal collection for compost where you lived, but I live in a city where we do have a compost collection. It's still not enjoyable. It's messy, it's smelly. In the summer, you can get Roast little things. And unfortunately, it discourages people from participating where your product really is a game changer because it's so easy. There's no smell, it's quick.
1: And it's almost something you do daily, right? Is you just becomes a habit with your food? Yes, exactly. Uh, as you prepare your meals, you simply fill the there appliance with any food scraps left over. Uh, the Thero appliance can process all types of food waste. You will normally compose vegetable peels, fruit cores, even meat and dairy products. Uh, with the appliance, when the appliance is full, you just have to push a button. And within three to eight hours, it will recycle their food waste and you will get a nutrient rich fertilizer that you can use in your plants, in your lawns, in your garden. Uh, so it's a, a grinding and eating process that uh, reduces uh, your food waste volume by ninety percent. Uh, and your fertilizer, like I said, you can use it right away or store it in a steel container for up to one year. That's incredible, and because I love that you said that, because right now
0: we're heading into spring and summer and gardening, so it's it'll be great to have this appliance uh, to use all summer. But during the winter you can set it aside and it's ready to go for you in the spring.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's perfect for Canada when uh, because the winter is uh, complicated to compost at home. So it's a great uh, product to use uh, all year long. And how long
0: did it take you from concept to having this ready to sell? How long did that process take you? Uh,
1: it takes uh, close to uh, <laughs> to three or four years we uh, finished our our bachelor degree in 2017 and we were we start from zero so (laughs) with no money with no (laughs) we really start from zero and uh, um, yeah we needed to to develop the technology to find money Uh, and uh, finally we uh, we did a a crowdfunding campaign in 2019 that helps us to uh, reach close to two million dollars. So at this moment, it really give us the the what we need to create TERO and to develop to finalize the development of the product. And then and the production finally starts in September 2021. So at this moment people start to receive the appliance because during the crowdfunding campaign people pre-order their appliance. Uh, so we um, we started production and the deliveries in September. And now actually uh, more than uh, 4,000 people have an appliance in their hands and use it at home. The appliance itself, let's just talk about
0: it for a minute because it's quite attractive looking. So was that a goal for you to have it to be something that you would want to put out?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because we knew that people are afraid of composting, um, love to have something attractive on their countertop in the kitchen. Uh, be, people are pretty proud of the kitchen and everything. So they want something that can be, uh, they want to use it and don't be afraid a to, to tell people they are doing <laughs> the compost at home. Uh, so it was really important that can fit in any decor, and uh, that it will be really easy uh, and integrate easily in the, in the kitchen. Okay, let's talk about the technology just for a minute. I mean, don't go too deep because I'm sure
0: most of us going to go right over our heads, but <laughs> 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 except for the scientists out there listening. But uh, just tell me a little bit about the technology of how it takes it from food waste to uh, usable fertilizer in a few hours? Uh, it's
1: the grind and um, dry technology. So it's a combination of both of those things that uh, allow you to have the dry fertilizer at the end. It's an automatic process. So uh, the appliance is intelligent, if I can say. So if when the, 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 the food waste will be completely dry, it will stop. So it can be in between three to eight hours and it depends of the humidity of the food waste. Um, So uh, if you have more uh, juicy food waste, like uh, full uh, fruit, for example, it can be more long. Uh, But um, if it's simple food waste, if I can say vegetable peels, for example, it's uh, an average of four hours. That's incredible. It's amazing. Um, all right. I love this product. I
0: love everything about it. So I want people to be able to find it because it is it is Earth Month and we have to do our part. So where can people find the tarot and where can they uh, connect with you and on social media?
1: Uh, they can buy a tarot appliance uh, directly on our website on tarotinnovation.ca. Um, it's the only way to uh, buy uh, an appliance right now, uh, but we want to participate to more shows to to uh, present the appliance in person and people can touch it and see it. Uh, but uh, we they can um, uh, follow us on our Instagram page on um, Tarot Product and Facebook page uh, too. So this is where they can find us.
0: All right incredible thank you so much for inventing this absolutely stellar stellar appliance i am just thrilled with it uh and uh i hope everybody goes out and gets ones because uh we we really could use that rich fertilizer on our soil right now so thank you so much for joining me today elizabeth thanks so so much for you to having me
4: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region.
0: Ever wonder if your probiotics are really working for you? To get their full benefits, you need to ensure that they are not destroyed by harsh stomach acid. Clinical studies prove that enteric coating guarantees safe intestinal delivery of live active probiotic cells. New Roots Herbal offers a range of GPS enteric-coated probiotics formulated to meet your specific needs available exclusively at Fine Health Food Stores. Find them in the refrigerated section. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label.
4: Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
0: Here's an uncomfortable truth. Today's youth are languishing. 85% of teens fear not being accepted for who they are, and a full two-thirds of teens are afraid of the future and life after high school. The Inside Out initiative aims to empower today's youth to learn, work, and live from the inside out. Erica M., one of the founding members of the Inside Out initiative, joins me now to share how we can inspire our youth to feel excited about the future and help them become the best version of themselves. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Thank you so much for having me again, Candace. Love it. So we're almost at one year since you launched Inside Out. And I think it's interesting because you actually, your daughter has become a bit of an experiment in this, hasn't she?
3: She certainly has. And it's interesting, you know, I have never launched a not-for-profit. Now, I did this with three other people. So this is a, a collaborative effort. But holy crap, is it ever hard? You know, the problem is you have this passion and a vision and information that will be useful and helpful to so many people. But you need money because, you know, I can work for free and my partners can work for free. But You know, when you have to build a website, it costs money. Like, it's crazy. So we are trying to push the bus forward and uh, we're begging for volunteers and for fundraising. And in the meantime, we continue to develop our, let's call it IP, which is our intellectual property that will help teens who are languishing and also help parents help their teens who are languishing but I didn't tell you about my daughter. Wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. i <I'm> was like,
0: <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, but you know, teens today, Erica, we didn't talk about your daughter, but I do, I, I have two teens, as you know. And, and, and so today, you know, I think about what it must be like to be a teenager looking out at the landscape in terms of what is happening in the world. And it must be hard to focus in on a bright future with all of this happening. So tell me how you were able to get your daughter to really get excited about her future.
3: The first thing that we did is we um, we thought that taking a gap year would be the right decision for her. She finished grade 12 last year, and so we decided that she would take a year off. And we spoke to this amazing woman who runs an organization called Ken Gap, which helps kids get inspired for their gap year. And after speaking to Ken Gap for about five minutes, they said, oh, we get you. Jessie is my daughter's name. You're really into skateboarding and you want to be somewhere warm. Why don't you check out the Costa Rica's uh, School of the World? It's not really a school, Candice. It's more like a vacation for adults where you can go and you learn how to surf, do yoga. Um, you learn Spanish um, and you do photography, which was another one of her interests here's what's really interesting. I thought because of COVID and all the kids have been so locked down and under their parents' thumbs, I thought, how can kids find their way if we're not letting them out to discover who they are? So I decided to send my daughter to Costa Rica by herself. She was just 18. She went there for three weeks by herself. Yes, I was biting my fingernails, but I figured, listen, this kid has got to learn how to Get out there in the world. And I have, I cannot believe the change in her. She was there for three weeks. She didn't even want to come home. When she came home, she's now studying Spanish on her own. She's decided that she wants to go back to Costa Rica. So she is now holding down three jobs. She's now learning to cook. And she started an accounting spreadsheet in order to keep track of her shifts. In order to make enough money, this is a kid who, I I mean, this was not my kid. And what happened was, which is exactly what the Inside Initiative, Inside Out Initiative is all about, is to intrinsically motivate teens to find out what their passion is. And therefore, for them to decide what their purpose is, and then to offer them the potential you know based on the things that you're really interested in here are the kinds of things that you might be interested in pursuing your pursuits and that's exactly what we did with my daughter now look she's not baked she's only 18 she's not going to be a surf dude for the rest of her life she's going to go to university in the in the fall but in the meantime i watched her get lit up she is literally a different person and I'm the best mom because I let her be independent. I put her in a position where she was forced to uh, tap into all of her skills. And if more parents can do this, I think if we stop sort of pampering our kids and instead listen to them and follow them instead of telling them what to do, our teens would be better off.
0: I agree. And the other thing you're doing inside, is you're, you're really um, establishing some very dynamic partnerships as well. And you have one right now, uh, Marnie and Michael. Tell
3: me about that. Well, this is what I was saying before when I was rambling about how difficult it is to run a not for profit. You need to get funds in order to start, but how do you start without your funds? It's sort of like a vicious cycle. And Marnie and Michael put their hands up and said, we'd love to help. And it's fascinating because this is an innov- innovative way of raising funds. They are um, leather uh, designers. They make beautiful handbags, Candace. You know you want one. And what <laughs> they, I'm serious, but they also have a secondary uh, portion of their business, which is essentially to inspire mental health wellness. And so they give a portion of their funds every month to some sort of initiative that they believe in. So for the months of April and May, Marnie and Michael will be giving 15% of what they earn to the Inside Out initiative. I mean, we're so thrilled and the products are gorgeous. They're made in Ontario and they're handmade. They're stunning, they're fashionable. And not only will you get a beautiful bag, but you're contributing to the well-being of teens in uh, in our country. And that is probably one of the most worthy causes I can think of. I mean, I
0: maybe I'm biased because of my teens, but I just think these kids have been through so much and uh, they deserve much better than we've been giving them the last few years. Uh, so parents are probably listening to this. How do they get involved with Inside Out? What does that process look like?
3: Well, there's several ways. First of all, you can follow us on social media. So it's Inside Out Initiative. We're on all the platforms. And we will be doing giveaways, by the way, for um, some gorgeous handbags for Marnie and Michael. And that is sort of a collaboration. So that way you're following us. You'll find out about those giveaways, which is fantastic. Um, You can volunteer If you're passionate about youth, about teens, about health and wellness, education, uh, social progress, creativity, innovation, the future of work, we want you. We need you. Um, So we're looking for volunteers, um, specifically legal, accounting, social media, project management, um, CPA, uh, fundraising. If you know how to write grants, we want you. And if there's anything we haven't listed and you want to offer us, just email us at hello at live. Um, and of course, donations. My God, we would love if you can donate a little bit to us. And make sure you follow us because we're going to be doing um, what our core sort of offering are some really fantastic, what we call academy courses for teens. And then we have separate ones for parents to help our teens find passion and purpose, potential and pursuits. And we're going to be announcing those on social media. You can go visit our website and you can sign up for our newsletter. I mean, it's really starting a movement to inspire our kids to live from the inside out. I mean, I do it, you do it, and I want all of our kids to do that as well.
0: I really love that you offer a parent component to this because a lot of these courses, they do offer courses for teens, but the parents are sort of left wondering what the heck is happening in that course, and then they're scratching their head trying to figure it out. This is wonderful because it's complementary. You know, the parents get an understanding of what's happening with their teens, and the teens are able to explain it with meaning to their parents, really.
3: Well, I stole the idea. My daughter has been in therapy for the last two years. And part of her therapy was um, that the parents had to take a night course with them as well. It wasn't with our teens. It was the parents got together and we were educated on mental wellness. We were educated on how to speak to our teens to motivate them and to help them when they were in crisis. And I think that's rare. And so I really um, worked on my co-founders and said, we absolutely have to have a parent component. In fact, I think it's almost more important because parents have huge influence on the future of their kids. Yes, their peers are important, but really, if you have a good relationship with your kids, there there is such a strong bond. And uh, there is so much um, influence that a parent has. So if we knew the right language and if we knew what to do to help our kids sort of discover their passion and then ultimately their potential, if you could sign up for a course that was almost free, wouldn't you do it?
0: Absolutely. Erica, I loved catching up with you on this when you're in. I'm so glad that this program is thriving and growing. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure you're going to be back again next year with an even better and bigger update. Thanks, Candice. My next guest is a lawyer, law professor, and podcaster specializing in immigration, refugee, and citizenship law. She is also the recipient of the Asian Canadian Writers Workshop Jim Wong Chu Emerging Writers Award. Jamie Chai Yun-Loo's Lu, first book, Dandelion, is available now, and she joins me today to discuss. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So I think the first thing we need to point out is that this book is not biographical. You want people to know that right off the bat, right?
6: Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, find it really interesting because I take a lot of influences, obviously, from my own knowledge and experience, but it is very much a work of fiction. Okay, so what what's the inspiration for this book then? Where where What can we expect? Well, I take a lot of inspiration from my own family history of migrating to Canada, but also because, as you said, I'm a lawyer and a researcher on migration. Uh, a lot of the work in the book and the themes stories are also inspired from the clients that I worked with with Um, the research I do. I've interviewed a lot of people who have migrated. I've interviewed a lot of stateless people recently because my work centers around why people are stateless and how they are stateless and how they exist and um, what their experiences are like as a result of being stateless. So the book is centered around those experiences um, and they're close to my heart because my father was born stateless and immigrated as a result of that. And I wanted to bring some attention to that issue, but also to bring alive to readers the experiences that people have when they migrate and how they might be treated. I wonder, do you, are you drawing
0: a lot of, you know, uh, looking at what's happening in Ukraine right now? We're going to have an influx of, of migrant mothers coming to Canada. Uh, it, this must be hitting close to home
6: for you as, as the author of this book. Definitely. I think one of the major themes of this book is drawing parallels between the you know, incidences of migration, but also how motherhood, um, you know, brings new experiences and sometimes isolation, um, you know, grief, loss of things, but also new beginnings and hope and and, and, and new ways to love. And I think that um, migration brings a lot of those kinds of emotions and experiences to the fore as well when you're moving somewhere new um, to have the fear of the unknown to um, not understand the experiences that you're going through, but also to rediscover a place of of a new home, new belonging, and to have hope. And I think, you know, I hope I braided those two kinds of experiences in the book to show that um, people can relate to the um, incidences and experiences of migrants, even though they themselves might not have experienced it themselves.
0: So sorry, does the book center around one family?
6: Yeah, it's a, just around the main character, Lily. as She becomes a new mother in the story and reflects on why her mother disappears in her childhood. And it's a bit of a mystery as to why and where her mother ends up. And so the book takes her on a journey to discover what happened to her mother. And in the process of doing so, she's discovering her own identity and how she understands how she belongs within um within Canada, within, you know, the world that her family's situated. You know, being a migrant, a lot of people's families are often spread out across the world. And so to understand that diasporic experience of of never feeling at home in the place that your family migrated to, but also never feeling at home in the place that people think you're from or the place that your family may have migrated from. So that experience, I think, can be related to, to a lot of people.
0: Why the name dandelion?
6: So dandelion is a very metaphorical symbol for a lot of things. I think for some people, you can see it as a weed, something that people want to get rid of, that they see as unsightly or that spreads, you know, uncontrollably. And I think a lot of people can, you know, see this as a migrant experience in the sense that some people view migrants sometimes as unwelcome, as illegal, as persons who are not um, fitting within our community. Um, And in other cases, some people see them as part of the multicultural fabric of our Canadian society. And so there's a duality to the dandelion. Uh, But also, you know, it's a very particular metaphor for Hakka people, which is um, a Chinese um, ethnic language and culture. And Hakka people are known as migrants and uh, they often refer to the dandelion as themselves because wherever they plant, they thrive so there's this you know you could kind of imagine you know a concrete and seeing a dandelion going through a crack of a pavement um on the ground and, and seeing that it's you know beautiful and yellow and bright and it can survive in all kinds of conditions so um it's a metaphor that's used for several things in the book i i absolutely
0: love that i may never look at a dandelion the same way again uh thank you for sharing that with me
6: this is your first book right it is. And and are you hooked now? Do you think you'll write another one? I am in the course of starting to write a second one. And I absolutely love writing. I did Dandelion. My first draft of Dandelion is kind of a dare to myself to see if I could do it. And it. I have to say it was a very enjoyable process. You know, obviously, as a writer, there's painful parts where, you know, you have to edit or revise and. Of course, there's the normal course of receiving rejections and things like that. But on balance, I have to say it's been a very satisfying process. And one that I hope um, also shares, you know, other aspects of work. You know, it's I found it to be a very good way of sharing parts of my research, parts of lived experiences of other people. Um, so I do hope to share more of that in the future. All right. Well, I want people to be able to find this book, obviously, and connect with you. So where can they do that? They can buy it at any local bookstore um, around them, any independent local bookstore. But of course, if yeah, you can buy it online and in person, and definitely you can visit uh, my website, www.jcyliew.com or on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you.
0: All right. wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today.
6: Thank you.
4: More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
0: Anne is back now with an interview with the director of All My Puny Sorrows, Michael McGowan and two of the talented stars that play sisters in the movie, Sarah Gadden and Alison Pill.
5: Enjoy. What an incredibly moving movie this was. Uh, Michael, I'd like to start with, uh, you know, the fact that the issues are really complex and really uh, dense and fraught. And I think the way that you deliver them most effectively is through like total simplicity. Was that something you strove to do?
7: Well, I I mean, I had the obviously I had Miriam's novel and you know, then trying to figure out a way to take you know, a 300 page book and sort of condense it into the into under two hours was the challenge and sort of after a lot of starts and stops sort of figured out. I don't know. I don't know how I did, but I just figured out a way to to do that. But. There's lots going on with the film with, obviously, performances, with how we come in and out of time and stuff like that. So I don't know if I would say simplicity, not that I was trying to be complex either, if that makes sense.
5: Allison, um, it occurred to me that there's not a lot of crying in this. And I think maybe crying might have been the point at which everybody gave up. Would you have any comment on that? Like they can't be allowed to give up.
7: And I think that's what Mike and I spoke most about in the making of it and also in watching the first cuts, was how important it is that we don't let the pressure off too soon. Like, there are so many almost breaking points throughout the film, but there's only one that leads to... this kind of transformation of grief into whatever comes after it. Mm. And that keeping that clear was really essential because there are so many ways to feel emotions or to, um, to show them to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and how we get about the world and how we hold ourselves together for our family and our friends and our kids and everything else.
5: Sarah, when you make a film like this that is so demanding and force, I would imagine forces you to look inside a lot and to people you know, are, do you ever feel traumatized
8: by it? I don't. I don't think I feel traumatized by it. Um, I. I think that I've spent a lot of time as an adult, kind of learning how to not take my work home with me. And, and I think so much of what we strive to do as actors is to be really experiencing each, you know, scene moment to moment in a state of being that's very present. And then when you Walk away from that state of being you might you might you know have the emotional hangover of living inside of a place, but then you learn how to kind of deal with with the the aftermath in a way that's that's healthy um because you have to be a functioning person in the rest of your life right you have to go home and you have to be a partner to someone or be a mother or be you know, whatever you are in your real life. And so you can't necessarily, I think you have to do just as much work to just to not take that home with you.
5: Thank you so much and best of luck. That's
0: it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 1059 The Region.
4: Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059TheRegion.com.